0: Journey into the Bible and explore its hidden text and rich wisdom. Join Adol Kazilski Mondays at 1 p.m. for the trip of a lifetime. Shavuot, Tov, shavuot, Tov, and chag Sameer. Happy Chanukah! Today is the first day of Chanukah. It is a festival of light and a, a festival where we increase in light every single day. And um, more than ever now, we need light into in this world. So I hope all of you have got your menorahs, your chanukyas, You have got uh, candles and you are lighting every night after dark. If you don't, there's still many places that you can get your menorah. If you didn't light last night, does not mean that you can't light today. So please go ahead and light wherever you need to. We are in the meantime going to be tripping around the um, the the Bible, and we are going to be looking into Genesis chapter thirty-five. We left last week on the fact that Yaakov um, came back, and God said to him once he was saved from Shechem that he should uh, put up a an altar and he should fulfill all the vows that he was ready to getting ready to be uh, to do to, 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 because he was back in the land of Israel and one of the things that we learned sadly last time was that in fact um Devorah, the the faithful maidservant of uh, of his mother Rivka passed away and in addition in the midrash we are told that sadly, Rivka also passes away and that Jacob takes pause in order to, uh, mourn them both. And sadly, his, 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 uh, his fate has it that he is going to cry once more now because he is also going to be experiencing the passing of his wife, Rachel. But before that, let's go <clears throat> into the verses if you are following on at home. It's chapter 35, verse 9. Of course, as always, I welcome conversation. 34519 is our SMS line. 0618951019 is our telegram number. Vayera Elokim el Yaakov Od. God appears again to Yaakov. Bevoi mi Padanaram. When he comes back from Padanaram, and he blesses him. So why is it saying that God appeared again to Yaakov? Because he appeared to Yaakov um, when he was leaving um, for Padamaram. When he was going to Haran, he was going to uh, Uncle Lavan um, as, a, as, a, as a fugitive because his brother Esau was wanting to kill him. So now he, it's in reverse. He's come back. And he has survived the trials and tribulations of exile. (coughs) Excuse me. And now he is hes coming back. And it says, regarding Yaakov, we can apply the verse that we see in Deuteronomy. Baruch atah b'voecha, baruch atah Blessed are you when you come, and blessed are you when you go out. So he got blessed on both occasions. And Hashem says to him, um, this is going. This fact that I'm blessing you now, as I blessed you when you left, is a sign. You remember, we've said many, many times that Maase Avot Siman and Whatever we are learning in the Torah is a prophecy. It is a sign that it will be for um, future de- descendants. So God said, just as I have blessed you when you left and blessed you when you come back, let it also be a sign that I will appear to you when you go down to Egypt, and you will also be blessed far beyond. Abraham and Yitzchak, because my name is associated with you. Now, we can also ask the question, why did uh, Yaakov bless? I mean, why did God bless Yaakov? Well, for four, four, four reasons. One, it says that he was saying Kaddish. Okay, He was saying Kaddish for his mother. He was saying the mourner's blessings for his mother. Um, and so God answered Amen and blessed him that way. The second is, is that um, whenever somebody does a good deed or obeys one of God's commandments, he deserves to be blessed. That's why when a Jew does something good, the common thing to say is, tiskele mitzvahs, may you merit, may you be worthy of doing more good deeds. Now, since Yaakov was obeying God's commandment by going to Beit El, God blessed him that he should be able to keep all his commandments. So that's another reason. Thirdly, when a person is perfect in in his ways, um, everybody blesses him. So since Yaakov had built an altar and he had called in God's name, he deserved God to bless him. And finally, we are told that um, Yaakov was a person who went beyond the letter of the law. Okay, Um, we know that when his sons, his sons Shimon and Levi plundered Shechem. Um, and they took a whole lot of booty. It was Yaakov who didn't want to derive any enjoyment from the act. And this God saw as a great sign of faith in God. Um, and we know, and we've seen by following Yaakov through his trials and tribulations with, with Lavan, that he, he did, was very careful never to take anything um, that involved even the slightest of, uh, the slightest of of, of, of of uh of of um duty and therefore God blessed him because he never ever allowed even the slightest question of dishonesty. And what do we see from that and we've spoken about it before, is that God blessed him, that his wealth would be doubled, he'd become extremely wealthy and nothing he didn't have to do anything to do uh, uh, unfair gain. Now, just a little bit of a a comment on this because it's something that we do not we do not um, we do not realize, or maybe we don't pay enough uh, attention to, and that is that our parnasa and our wealth is determined by God on Rosh Hashanah, and one does not need to try work out. Um, unscrupulous ways of trying to make more money because when one tries to become unwealthy through unfair gain what will happen is that your wealth will diminish something will happen and you will lose that money and the converse is true if you are scrupulously honest in your dealings and you make sure to the very very cent that you never take something that doesn't belong to you then that which belongs to you remains with you, and God will bless you, and you will see much, much more. And that's really what happened to Yaakov. Yaakov became unbelievably wealthy because he was unbelievably honest. Um, It's a powerful lesson today because everybody tries to look at where they can go and steal a little bit of money from something else, whether it is you get very excited in the shops that... um, you know, that, that they, they, they put the wrong label on or they, they, they didn't charge you enough or, or that somebody made a mistake and they did something. It is of, of importance that one comes forward and says, you didn't charge me. In fact, it happened to me the other day. I went and bought a whole lot of, um, stuff for, for a, a year-end party and I bought 21, um, items in the shop. And when they, they finished tilling it up, um, they came to 20, and I stopped the woman. I said, I think you have undercharged me. It should be 21, not 20. In this case, she said, no, it's actually a special. I don't know. There was some, I don't know, Black Friday special that was happening that, that, that allowed me to. But one needs to be scrupulous to that point in time. So that is very, very interesting. And also just part of that also is a, a discussion around gambling many many people think that you know they will try go make more money and and try gather more wealth by by gambling now the torah frowns down upon gambling and um one needs to be one one is not allowed to gamble um it says that if one is a gambler then he cannot be a witness in a uh, court of law um, and then you could ask probably the question, as I'm thinking about it, you know, what happens then with paying lotto or paying Powerball or, or, or playing, is that considered gambling? So the general view is some, some people will shy away with, from it completely. Others will say you can play, but all you need to do is play one row of numbers. There is no such thing as I have to put in 10 rows of numbers because, you know, I want to increase my chance of getting money. It shows a lack of faith. If you're wanting to create a vessel that if God deems that he wants to give you money through, through a, through a lottery, he can, then buy one line. And it really doesn't matter what the numbers are, because if you're supposed to win through the lottery, then the numbers will be what, 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 what what, what numbers you've got. Right? You don't need to go and, and take on a whole lot of other stuff in order for you to try and, and, uh, make things more or try to increase your chances. It's the whole, this whole idea is very, um, what's the word that I'm looking for? It's, it's, it's in opposition to the way we think in this world. We think that, you know, we can try to be conniving and cunning and sly. And if, you know, if we do this or we do that, we can earn the extra buck. That's not true. Whatever your parnoster is, is what Hashem wants to give you, and that is what you are going to get. This is 101.9, FM. This is Mystical Text with Abel Kazilski. Right, we are traveling through the Bible, and we are now going to look at chapter 35, verse 10. <laughs> God says now to Jacob, "Shimcha Yaakov, lo yikare; Shimcha od Yaakov ki im Yisrael shemecha et Yisrael." God says to him, "No longer your your name is Yaakov. No longer will you be named Yaakov, but Israel will be your name." And therefore, God named him Israel. Now we know that. The angel Michal revealed himself at Beit El and he told him, um, Yaakov to change his name to Yisrael. Now, one can wonder why, why this name change? And even when his name gets changed, we find that the name Yaakov is still used, even in the coming chapters. And now, and even God himself calls him Yaakov. So what is this all about? Your name is Yaakov you will no longer be called Yaakov, Yisrael will be your name, and he's named him Israel. So, the first expression, your name is Yaakov, when we look at it, is is pretty redundant. We all know, know that his name is Yaakov. Okay? So, what was God really saying? What God was really saying is, your name is still Yaakov. It's not being taken away from you. From now on, your name will not only be Yaakov, but Israel will also be your name. And you'll take advantage of both names. First, name, first Israel, and then Yaakov. Another opinion um, holds that he toggled between the names. When he was in the Holy Land, when he was living in the land of Israel, he was called Israel. When he was elsewhere, he was called Yaakov. And others say that when he was in other lands, he sometimes was called Yaakov, Yaakov, sometimes he was called Israel, but, um, his n- main name there was Yaakov. So now let's just talk a little bit about our Hebrew names and, um, why people go through name changes and what, what, what is, what, you know, what is the whole idea behind it? Well, firstly, we can see that in history, not prior to Yaakov, Yaakov wasn't the first guy to have his name changed. We see that his grandfather, Abraham, had his name changed. If you recall, Abraham's name was Avram. And so was his wife's name, Sarai. And then God changed their names to Avraham and Sarah. So now let's just look at Avraham. Avram means Av-Aram. The, he was the master of the people of Aram. So at the point when Avraham was called Avram, he only had influence extending to his neighbors. He didn't have any children to be his spiritual heirs. When God changed from Avram to Avraham, here now Avraham means Avhamon that he would be a father of a multitude of uh, nations. So, Avram transitioned to Avraham, and he transitioned from a father of the neighbors, so to speak, to the father of multitudes. And here, in addition, we also see, with Avraham, that changing his name changed his destiny. The same thing was true of Sarah. Sarah was Sarai. Once we changed her name to Sarah, then what happened was that her destiny was changed and even though her muzzle had said that she would be childless, that changed and she landed up having Yitzchak. She landed up having a child. So generally, one changes one's name by either adding in um, something, or alternatively by by adding in an extra name to change one's muzzle. Now, I'm sure that most of you listening out there know that this is a common um, common happening, and when God forbid, we know that somebody is ill we will add in an, a name to them and we will actually call them by that name, which means that their first name becomes secondary and that the name that they named in addition becomes primary. Because what we are trying to do is we are trying to change the muzzle, the destiny. But a little bit of comment on Jewish names, which is so very important on so many levels. We know that one of the reasons given that the Jews were meritorious to leave Egypt, the 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 exile of Egypt, was because they did not change their Hebrew names. They didn't change their names into gentile, secular, non-Jewish names. They kept their names. They kept their clothing. Okay, they 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 remained um, as Jews should remain. Now today, unfortunately, we are in a situation. Where we are straddling um, the the Gentile world, and we appear in the Gentile world with names that are not our Jewish names. Many many people have changed that um, and have tried to go out and correct that by being called their Hebrew names. Now, what is so important about a Hebrew name? In the first instance, who cares if you are called Abraham or you are called Arnold? What what difference does it make whether you're called Sarah or they've decided to call you Suzanne? Like, why is it that we have to be particular about calling um, ourselves by our Hebrew name? Well, that re- the, the reason for that um, is 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 very very deep, and is a much greater discussion. But if I can summarize it, essentially, the Hebrew alphabet. The letters of the Hebrew alphabet are in fact the way in which God created the world. It says God took the words, the letters of the Hebrew alphabet, He formed words, and spiritually through the expression of those words, things came into existence into this world, into the world. So the Hebrew language as a language is not just another language as we know English and Afrikaans and French and Italian and Spanish and Whatever else that we do and how we speak and communicate with the world, the Hebrew language, when we are pronouncing words, when we are or are, are, are expressing ourselves in Hebrew, we are actually uh can I use the word? we are playing around with or we are utilizing um spiritual powers that we perhaps do not appreciate um the the extent. Um, and that is why the original Hebrew Bible is in Hebrew, and it has many, many layers to it, that when we are studying the Bible, we don't just read the verses, we look at the way the words are constructed, we look at grammar, we look at the vowels, we look at whether the, the letters are normal-sized letters, or smaller letters, or bigger letters, simply because we understand that the Hebrew alphabet is in fact the building block of this world. Now, if I could bring it into a uh, into maybe a physical example um, to just try to draw an analogy so that we can all understand better. Um, if anybody is um, has learned chemistry at school or is a student of chemistry, we know that if we want to look at the physical world and dissect it into its it's, it's primary components. We will know that every single thing that we see around us, including ourselves, is made up of elements from the periodic table. So our scientists have found basic elements. Um, each element has their own neutrons, their own protons, their own electrons. Their, it has their own weight. Um, it has its, it, their, their own, um, Way that they they appear in this world in a stable way in a in, in a in a uh, non-stable way etc cetera, etc. Cetera. And um, when we take the combination of say two what's the names two uh, two elements and we put them together we land up getting a we land up getting a a substance coming if we take sodium chloride. We will land up with salt. If we take hydrogen and oxygen, we will, two hydrogens and one oxygen, we will land up with water. And so if we want to understand the physical world, we need to have a basic understanding of, of the periodic table. Well, similarly, if you want to understand the spiritual worlds and how it, how there is an interface between the physical and the spiritual, we need to have our own periodic table and that is the letters of the alphabet, and when we take the letters of the Hebrew alphabet and we 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 combine them in various ways, then we are able to um, we are able to bring into existence physical matter. Now, if we understand that, what we get to understand then further is that when one has a Hebrew name and one calls themselves Adel. So my Hebrew name is Aleph, Dalet, Lamed. That would indicate that I am made up of the components spiritually of an Aleph, Dalet, and a Lamed. There is mystical, spiritual significance to every single letter, and that will say much about who I am and how I portray myself to the world. That is how we actually understand that... Um, when one goes to see a holy person and asks for a blessing, they don't want to know that I'm Adel kozlowski and I live at, and I give my physical address. They will want to know my Hebrew name and my mother's name because I derive energy from her. And so I will be Adel Miriam Bat Yehudit. That is who I really am. And a person who is very spiritual will understand that one needs to Um, use that name and be called by that name because when you are called by that name, then you are actually calling on the soul powers of, of that person and it identifies the person. Many, many times you will look at the name and you will understand something about the person. Now that we have that understanding, we can understand why one goes through a change of name, why one has an additional name. Now let's go look back at Yaakov. Yaakov has a yud and then has the word akev. Akev means a hill. And as we know, uh, he came on the hill of his brother, but he was very much connected to the yud, to God. And now he gets called Yisrael. Yisrael means a prince, a king. And in truth, you will see now as we continue the verses forward that in fact, uh, uh, being called Yisrael now opens up a tremendous amount of blessing for Yaakov. Let's look in verse 11 of chapter 35. God says to him, I am God Almighty. You'll be fruitful and increase. A nation and a community of nations Will come into existence from you. Kings will emanate from your loins. And the land which I gave Abraham and Yitzchak, lecha et I will be giving it to you, ul acha, and to your descendants after you, et et I will give the land. So what God was saying to him is that from the change of name, from you becoming a prince and your name being elevated, okay, you are now not going to only um, be a, 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 a household head over your, your household, but in fact you will become a community of nations. And here there is the prophecy that Binyamin which is still to be born now, um, was is going to be born in the next couple of uh, verses. But Benjamin, the, the 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 one son, has not yet given uh, g- g- been had had kids. And also from Yosef, Yosef, his son will af- actually give birth to Manasseh and Ephraim, and each of them will become a separate tribe. We know from Benjamin, from Benjamin, um, we got the first kings of Israel. Shaul. Um, now, we are told in the Midrash that all of this was happening when R- Rachel was already pregnant with Binyamin. Just to get it into historic context, Yaakov had spent 24 months on his journey, 18 months in Sukkot, 6 months in Beit El, and you will see that Binyamin will be born as soon as they leave Beit El well on their way to a city called Ephrath. So since Rachel was already pregnant with Binyamin for at least seven months, and this prophecy occurred in Betel. Um, this is how we prove that in fact she, she, she was pregnant with him. God went up then and left him in the place that he had spoken. Yaakov then set up a monument in the place that God had spoken to him. Um, he set up a monument stone. He offered a libation on it. And he poured oil on it. And he poured oil on it. And um, he then caused this place where God had come to speak to him He called it Beit El We do have a city called Beit El today in Israel If you want to know exactly geographically where all of this is happening And what I am telling you, then you can look it up um, Just search up Beit El, search up uh, Ephrat. Um, search up Beit Lechem And you'll see that they're all in the same vicinity And you will get a better understanding Of where Yaakov was physically In the land of Israel And just before we go to the break Let's just talk about That he, he, he poured a libation What type of libation did he pour Well, in order to to consecrate the place It says that there were libations of water and wine And the water libation Um, was a sign that in the future his descendants would bring a water offering on Sukkot. He also poured oil on to it. And just a very quick thing, there's a difference, an important difference between a Mizbeach, which is an altar, and a Matzeva, which is a monument. A monument, a Matzeva, is a monolith. It consists of one large stone. It cannot be used for sacrifice. It can only be used for libation offerings like wine, uh, water, and oil. An altar, a mizbeach, on the other hand, is made up of many stones, um, and you can bring a sacrifice on it. But nevertheless, here is where Yaakov fulfills his vow to thank Hashem for saving him. From his trials and tribulations, um, that, that, that he went through while he spent time with Lavan. He, he also separates a tithe of his possessions. He gives it to the needy and he's ready to move on. This is 101.9, Chai FM. This is Mystical Text with Abel Kazilski. We're going to come to a sad part now, and this is now, sadly, the, the passing of Yaakov's favorite wife, Rachel. We're on verse 16 of chapter 35. They traveled from Beit El. They were some distance away from Ephrat. Rachel gives birth. And her labor was extremely difficult. Vayahi, and it was, Hakshota Bildada, when her labor was at the worst, Batomela Hamayaledit, the midwife said to her, al do not be afraid, Kigam ze lach ben, this one will also be a son for you. Vayahi, and it was, But Nafsha, when her, so, as she was dying, okay, and as she was breathing her last, and Ben Benoni, she called this child Benoni, my my son of my sorrow. The Karalo but his father, his father called him Binyamin. What's going on here? So, as we've said before, when we were looking at the the birthing of the other sons through uh, Leah and uh, Zilpa and Bella, that each son was born with a twin sister. With the exception of Joseph, who was born alone. Now, what was actually happening here was that Rachel was now giving birth to triplets, one son and two daughters. And that's why it seems strange, but the the um the Torah goes and says that the the, the um birthing, the midwife says, Don't be afraid, this one will also be a son. Why? because it was customary for the midwives of that era not to tell a mother whether she had a son or daughter until she had recovered from delivery. Um, they didn't want you know, woman while they were birthing to get all upset that they, they were birthing the wrong kid or whatever it was. So what happened was, in this circumstance, was that Rachel first gave birth to two girls. And the midwife um, lied to her and told her that the second delivery was a boy, because she did not want her to feel bad that she had delivered two girls, one after the other. Um, and she could see that Rachel was struggling and probably wouldn't make it. So she said, this one, don't worry, this one will be a boy, even though she does deliver a boy. Um, then at the end, nevertheless, uh, that's how it was, was, um, it, it, it was said. Now, why did uh, Rachel deserve to die? Um, well, we know, and this is just going back in time, that um, Yaakov had inadvertently cursed her when Lavan was searching for his fertility gods. Remember, Lavan makes chase with Yaakov. And um, in his anger with Lavan, Yaakov said, if you find your gods with anyone, he will not live. And of course, Yaakov's curse was directed towards someone who might have stolen the idols to sell or even to worship, and certainly not towards his wife, who who we know, when we we, we were learning it, we knew that she had a good motive. And she was hoping her father would stop worshipping them. Nevertheless, it says, whenever a tzaddik says something, when a tzaddik says a, a word, when a righteous person says Anything that will be fulfilled. Now, Laban didn't actually find his fertility gods. He found a number of small bottles in their place, but it was considered as if, as if he had found them. And so again, that uh, struck against them. Um, and once the curse was made, unfortunately, the curse was fulfilled. Very, 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 uh, very, very, very sadly. Another reason given was it says that Yaakov lost his favorite wife because he he delayed in fulfilling his vow of um, of coming home much much earlier. So there are two opinions. Now, just very quickly, we don't have too much time left. Just as a quick um, explanation, we are taught in the Gemara that there are three sins for which which can cause a woman to die can cause a woman to die in childbirth. The first is that they do not keep the laws of family purity, the laws of and The second is that she's not careful with separating challah. That is the mitzvah of baking challah on a Friday and taking a piece and making a blessing. And the third is not being careful about lighting Shabbos candles. Um, And as we know, these three mitzvahs, the candle, lighting Shabbos candles and um, baking challah and keeping the laws of family purity are uh, mitzvahs that are um, primarily in the hands of the woman. And throughout the generation, okay, we are told that uh, we learn and we are told that women um, have been scrupulous. And we've seen that with Sarah and with Rivka um, um, as well. So, that is something that, that just one should keep in mind. Let's finish off. Uh, they, buried, Rachel died and she got buried on the road to Ephrath, He Lechem, which is known as Beit Lechem or Bethlehem. By Yatsek Yaakov Matseva al-Kivurata. Yaakov set up a monument on her grave. And this is where um, her grave remained to this very day. Indeed, to this very day, we can go to the land of Israel and go to Bethlehem and you will be standing on the site of, of where uh, uh, Rachel was buried. Rachel sadly died at the age of 37. She was married to Yaakov when she was 22 years old. Fifteen years have passed since their marriage. Very interestingly, her sister Leah passes away seven years later at the age of 44. I'm going to finish off the chapter now because this is going to be the last recording for this year from next week. Um, I'll be taking a break uh, for a while, so let's just try round it up Um, where, where, where we uh where we are, and that is, vaYisa Yisrael vaYet ohalah Yisrael, meaning Yaakov travelled on, vaYet ohalo mehala leMigdal Eder, and he went and pitched his tent in a place called Migdal Eder. VaHei <speaking in> bishkon Yisrael baAretz Ahi, that is where he settled. That, that that is where that that is where he settled. I actually think I'm going to stop exactly there because um, otherwise we're going to start on getting um, into new things. So with that, we're going to conclude our learning together for the secular year 2021. Please God, I will be with you. Um, early January again In the meantime an encouragement for everybody out there To light Hanukkah menorah. It has a tremendous benefit to the world um, And just like we've just learned That a woman lights her Shabbos candles um, In her home to illuminate her home And illuminate her children And her husband and her family We also light Hanukkah menorah So that we can illuminate to the outside It's a very, very easy mitzvah It's a delightful one it's a happy one. And together with that, hey, you can throw in some donuts and some potato latkes and have fun with the family, of course, in a safe space. We do have to worry about um, COVID around us. So stay safe about it, but go out and uh, light the the Hanukkah candles. So a meyach uh, to everybody. Shavua tov. And I will see you on the other side of 2021.